What's going on, folks? Welcome to another episode of Thoroughbred Teamsters Podcast. I'm your host, Jay Rich from North California's Local 315. All right, so this episode is about an article I found uh, on the 1918 Spanish flu. It's, it's not even, it doesn't even have a true author to it. I found it on history.com. You guys know I'm a hip, I just, lo- I love history. Uh, I like the website. The sources were credible. So I decided to read it for this this episode. And, you know, just give it a shot. I'm not a bad reader or nothing. Uh, I'm pretty good. I don't think I... You be the judge. Let me know. But it is a good article. You know, I, I, I comment throughout and just kind of point out some, some of the obvious. And and let me know what you think. Uh, hit me up at Thoroughbred Teamsters Podcast on Instagram. At NorCal Teamster. All one word on Twitter at N-O-R-C-A-L-T-E-A-M-S-T-E-R on Twitter and Facebook, Thoroughbred Teamsters Podcast. Uh, Reach out, let me know what you think, and uh, let's go ahead and get this one started. The Spanish flu pandemic of 1918 the deadliest in history, infected an estimated 500 million people worldwide. And that's about one-third of the planet's population back then. So 1.5 billion, and I think what we're at like, I don't know, 4 to 6 billion right now. That's just off memory. And killed an estimated 20 million to 50 million victims, including some 675,000 Americans. The 1918 flu was first observed in Europe, the United States, and parts of Asia before swiftly spreading around the world. At the time, there were no effective drugs or vaccines to treat this killer flu strain. Citizens were ordered to wear masks, schools, theaters, and businesses were shuttered, and bodies piled up in makeshift morgues before the virus ended its deadly global march. What is the flu? Influenza or flu is a virus that attacks the respiratory system. Many of us know that. The flu virus is highly contagious, we know. When an infected person coughs, sneezes, or talks, respiratory droplets are generated and transmitted into the air and can then be inhaled by anyone nearby. And something I saw today on on one of the charts was the coronavirus is twice as contagious as the flu, but not as contagious as like measles or smallpox or something like that, but it is twice as contagious as the flu. Additionally, a person who touches something with the virus on it and then touches his or her mouth, eyes or nose can become infected. And I don't remember if I said this on the last episode, but again, even if you don't have anything to protect yourself with, uh, make I'm not saying an a bandana will protect you, but maybe having something over your face, not so much to keep the the cough particles out, I guess, but more to, again, if you have something on your hands and you go to rub your face, your nose, your mouth, um, I'm having issues with that right now on route every day. You know, I'm getting less and less, but today I felt like I, I kind of kept catching myself. But again, if you have just like a bandana or a rag or something, you're able to put that up, cover your face. That just kind of helps you protect your face from, from from you touching your own face. Again, I'm not saying it's going to protect you from the, the virus or the, the flu or whatever itself, but it does. It is a touch prevention, I guess. So just keep that in mind if it comes down to it. Um, 
With the flu season in the United States, it generally runs from late fall into spring. So that's about where we're at right now. And that's what kind of is kind of a little bit scary is it is flu season or at least ending flu season, supposedly. Um, allergies. And now we got this. So, again, you might have a sniffle, a cough, a, a something, and it might not even be coronavirus, but most of us are probably going to be, that's the first thing we think. God, I, every day I wake up, I'm like, oh, man, I got, you know, anything, anything that is not 100% healthy, I'm like, oh, shit, here we go. It's kicking in, but uh, nothing, not, nothing there, but you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? I'm sure many of you actually feel like that, unfortunately. It's not a, it's not a good feeling to have, but as long as we're healthy. So the flu season in the United States generally runs. In a typical year, more than 200,000 Americans are hospitalized for flu-related complications, and over the past three decades, there have been some 3,000 to 49,000 flu-related deaths annually. So that's a pretty wide range, 3,000 to 49,000. I feel like I read somewhere why it was so high one year, but I, I obviously I'm not going to speculate on my memory. And that's according to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Uh, Spanish flu symptoms. So this is obviously what they were dealing with in 1918, the symptoms they had. They are going to sound familiar. Um, and again, I, I know I've heard the what the symptoms are for, for the coronavirus. But again, and I've even seen charts. Here's the symptoms for allergies. Here's the symptoms for the flu. Here's the symptoms for coronavirus. And, and there is differences. But I've always even had just trouble figuring out if I had a cold or if it was allergies or if a flu was coming on. So, I mean, now I just added some deadly you know, virus to the mix to be concerned about when, when anything kicks in, it's like, oh shit, what, what am I about to feel? You know, um, I, I have been pretty healthy for the last, I mean, man, almost six months, every, every peak season, I, I do tend to get really ill, you know, the flu or something, something kicks in, it goes around the house, everyone gets it, we're all better. Uh, this year was pretty good. I, I, I might've been sick for like one day, still went into work, um, before coronavirus, not since. And now, I've been healthy since. I'm I'm glad I got my little flu uh, flu shot last year, but man, Jesus. Uh, let me let me just share something share something with you right now. So I'm working today. It's my second day back after having a week off, and it's it. I'm a big guy. I'm a big guy. I get big guy sweats. I mean, I could sweat eating. I mean, I'm not like robustly round or nothing I do got a nice little belly right now from from drinking and eating all last week but you know I'm not I'm not I'm just not like this huge fat guy like round nothing wrong with that fucking I'm sure I'll be there as the uh, the the, <laughs> the weight's already gaining every year I gain about five pounds every year so it's coming but my point is I, I'm a big guy that sweats a lot and it's cold I mean so in the morning over here in the Bay Area, it's cold, but you know it's going to be a nice day. Uh, I, I didn't have my jacket this morning, my vest, or, or even a beanie. I just kind of left. I, I looked out the window. I said, oh, it looks like it's going to be a nice day. But when I left, I was it was a little chilly. I mean, it's not nothing if you're in your truck with the heater on. But once I started kind of working up a sweat and it, and it still wasn't warming up quite enough yet, I could, I'm like, oh, my God, now, you know, sweating in the cold with no warmth other than the heater it was, it's just like all right let just be aware of that if something kicks in in a couple of days I'm telling you man I'm, I'm fucked up right now <laughs> this shit now i'm so paranoid but there's 
my point is, if you feel like you have symptoms, one, don't go to work. Don't, don't, don't mess it up for others. Please take care of yourself. Take care of others by taking care of yourself. And two, it might not even be it. You know what I mean? Uh, it's, it might not be the virus. It might just be the flu. Might be a cold. Might be allergies. But just remember, once you start having your mind tell you those things, just think like that. It might not even be that. There's three other things. It can be maybe four, maybe five. Um, but just, just, just take care of yourself. So, you know, I'm, I'm gonna continue going with this article. The Spanish flu symptoms. The first wave of the 1918 pandemic occurred in the spring was generally mild. The sick, who experienced such typical flu symptoms as chills, fevers, and fatigue, usually recovered after several days, and the number of reported deaths was low. However, a second highly contagious wave of influenza appeared with a vengeance in the fall of that same year. And that's, that's kind of what I'm hearing in the, in the news right now is like, hey, just because we might, we might have a couple days good doesn't mean it's over. Just because when we get over this wave right here, there is a good chance there's going to be another wave. And I'll get into that a little bit. This kind of this article kind of dips into that in a little bit on why that would happen. Victims died within hours or days of developing symptoms. Oh, I don't remember reading that. Damn. Their skin turning blue and their lungs filling with fluid that caused them to suffocate. And that's kind of what I hear is happening with the coronavirus. In just one year, 1918, the average life expectancy in America plummeted by a dozen years. What caused the Spanish flu? It's unknown exactly where the particular strain of influenza that caused the pandemic came from. However, the 1918 flu was first observed in Europe, America, and areas of Asia before spreading to almost every other part of the planet within a matter of months. And that's crazy because in 1918, I mean, don't laugh at me, but I don't know if we had planes back then or not, or if, how if we did, how widely used they were. I'm not, I'm, as much as I love history, I'm not aware of that part right there. But, I mean, we had ships. So I, I guess that's how it traveled, by ships. Um, and I think it gets into the military soon. Despite the fact that the 1918 flu wasn't isolated to one place, it became known around the world as the Spanish flu, as Spain was hit hard by the disease and was not subject to the wartime news blackouts that affected other, other European countries. Even Spain's king contracted the flu. One usual aspect of the 1918 flu was that it struck down many previously healthy young people a group normally resistant to this type of infectious illness, including a number of World War I servicemen. In fact, more U.S. soldiers died from the 1918 flu than were killed in battle during the war. And before I continue with that, man, I just, oh man, I just read an article today about a, a military ship, I believe it was the Navy, a Navy ship, a nuclear ship, and a couple thousand, you know, members, uh, personnel on it, and I believe there's 200 positive cases of coronavirus on that ship. And, th and I think that was my biggest fear. Well, one of my biggest fears was, man, if it hits the military, I mean, the healthcare. Oh, man, just I don't even want to think about it. But yet here I am talking about it. In fact, more so back to the article. In fact, more U.S. soldiers died from the 1918 flu than were killed in battle during the war. 40% of the U.S. Navy was hit with the flu, while 36% of the Army became ill. And troops moving around the world in crowded ships and trains helped to spread the killer virus. So during a wartime, this, this flu, this, vi this virus is going around, and that's how it's getting spread. During war, 
military personnel are, are being deployed and, and sent out everywhere, and it's just taking it with them. Although the death toll attributed to the Spanish flu is often estimated at 20 million to 50 million victims worldwide, other estimates run as high as 100 million, around 3% of the world's population. The exact numbers are impossible to know due to a lack of medical record-keeping in many places. So, I mean, that, that's a wide range, 20 million to 100 million. Even if it's 10 million, that's, that's man, that is fucking high. So, however you look at it, millions of people died. What is known, however, is that few locations were immune to the 1918 flu. In America... Victims ranged from residents of major cities to those of remote Alaskan communities. Even President Woodrow Wilson reportedly contracted the flu in early 1919 while negotiating the Treaty of Versailles, which ended World War I. Why was the Spanish flu called the Spanish flu? The Spanish flu did not originate in Spain, though news coverage of it did. During World War I, Spain was a neutral country with a free media that covered the outbreak from the start first reporting on it in Madrid in late May of 1918. Meanwhile, allied countries and the central powers had wartime censors who covered up news of the flu to keep morale high. Because Spanish news sources were the only ones reporting on the flu, many believed it originated there. The Spanish, meanwhile, believed the virus came from France and called it the French flu. Hmm. Sound familiar? Where did the Spanish flu come from? Scientists still do not know for sure where the Spanish flu originated, though theories point to France, China, Britain, or the United States, where the first known case was reported at Camp Funston in Fort Riley, Kansas, on March 11, 1918. Some believe infected soldiers spread the disease to other military camps across the country, then brought it overseas. In March 1918, 84,000 American soldiers headed across the Atlantic and were followed by 118,000 more the following month. Fighting the Spanish Flu When the 1918 flu hit, doctors and scientists were unaware of what caused it or how to treat it. Unlike today, there are no effective vaccines or antivirals, drugs that treat the flu. The first, okay, then it says in parentheses, the first licensed flu vaccine appeared in America in the 1940s. So that vaccine didn't even appear until, I mean, I just don't even think they had the technology or even the knowledge to, to really understand what, was, what it was in 1919. Maybe that's why it took so long. By the following decade, vaccine, vaccine manufacturers could routinely produce vaccines that would help control and prevent future pandemics. Complicating matters was the fact that World War I had left parts of America with a shortage of physicians and other health care workers. And of the available medical personnel in the U.S., many came down with the flu themselves. Additionally, hospitals in some areas were so overloaded with flu patients that schools, private homes, and other buildings had to be converted into makeshift hospitals, some of which were staffed by medical students. And I hear that's kind of what they're looking into now. You know, I... When I was going through the, the labor history stuff, you know, I, I, I think I said a few times, and it's, obviously it's nothing that I came up with. It's just a common phrase, but history tends to repeat itself. And, you know, reading this article, I, it just feels like we're just literally, it's reliving itself right now. Officials in some communities imposed quarantines, ordered citizens to wear masks, and shut down public places, including schools, churches, and theaters. People were advised to avoid shaking hands and to stay indoors. Libraries put a halt on lending books and regulations were passed to ban spitting. 
that's interesting. But uh, also, I, I wanted to, people were advised to avoid shaking hands. Now, obviously, I think a lot of people are starting to do that now. We're not shaking hands. You know, at first, it was kind of like, hey, elbow bump. But I think that that didn't last long. Um, people, at least in my area, are doing their best to keep their distance. I'm to the point now where it kind of feels weird to me if someone is within three feet of me. But I'm sure that's just me. But that tells me, like, I remember when this was going on, I was like, oh, well, there's a reason that we're not going to shake hands ever again. But it, it looks like it, it came back. So, I mean, they stopped shaking hands. According to the New York Times, during the pandemic, Boy Scouts in New York City approached people they'd seen spitting on the street and gave them cards that read, you are in vi violation of the sanitary code. I was never a Boy Scout. I don't really, I didn't, I don't know any Boy Scouts, at least knowingly know any Boy Scouts that grew up were Boy Scouts, but can you imagine that today? I mean, God bless them. Handle business, do what you got to do. But man, just imagine someone trying to do that today. Huh, it's fucked up. Aspirin, poisoning, and the flu. I think this is another uh, similar situation repeating itself. With no cure for the flu, many doctors prescribed medication that they felt would alleviate symptoms, including aspirin, which had been trademarked by Bayer in 1899, a patent that expired in 1917. Before the spike in deaths attributed to the Spanish flu in 1918, the U.S. Surgeon General, Navy, and the Journal of American Medical Association had all recommended the use of aspirin. So everyone's telling you, hey, it's safe to use. Go ahead and use it. Met people that you trust... Medical professionals advise patients to take up to 30 grams per day. Now, I don't want to tell you how I know what 30 grams looks like, but Jesus fucking Christ. Sorry, I apologize. But man, 30 grams. A day. <laughs> oh, man. Like, uh, a dose now known to be toxic. No shit. Comparison's sake, this is in parentheses, the medical consensus today is that doses above 4 grams are unsafe. Jesus. Symptoms of aspirin poisoning include hyperventilation and pulmonary edema, or the buildup of fluid in the lungs, and it's now believed that many of the October deaths were actually caused or hastened by aspirin poisoning. The flu takes heavy toll on society. We're almost there, folks. The flu took a heavy human toll, wiping out entire... F oh. Wiping out entire families and leaving countless widows and orphans in its wake. Funeral parlors were overwhelmed and bodies piled up. Many people had to dig graves for their own family members. The flu was also detrimental to the economy. In the United States, businesses were forced to shut down because so many employees were sick. Basic services such as mail delivery and garbage collection were hindered due to flu-stricken workers. The flu was also detrimental to the economy. In the United States, businesses were forced to shut... Okay, sorry. Um, start over. The flu takes heavy toll on society. The flu took a heavy human toll, wiping out entire families and leaving countless widows and orphans in its wake. Funeral parlors were overwhelmed and bodies piled up. Many people had to dig graves for their own family members. The flu was also detrimental to the economy. In the United States, businesses were forced to shut down because so many employees were sick. 
basic services such as mail delivery and garbage collection were hindered due to flu-stricken workers. In some places, there weren't enough farm workers to harvest crops. Even state and local health departments closed for business, hampering efforts to chronicle the spread of the 1918 flu and provide the public with answers about it. How the U.S. cities tried to stop the 1918 flu pandemic. A devastating second wave of the Spanish flu hit American shores in the summer of 1918 as returning soldiers infected with the disease spread it to the general population. So that's how the second wave began. As returning soldiers infected with the disease spread it to the general population, especially in densely crowded cities, such as, I mean, it doesn't say here, but obviously New York. How U.S. cities tried to stop the 1918 flu pandemic. A devastating second wave of the Spanish flu hit American shores in the summer of 1918 as returning soldiers infected with the disease spread it to the general population, especially in densely crowded cities. Without a vaccine or approved treatment plan, it fell to local mayors and healthy officials to improvise plans to safeguard the safety of their citizens. Again, kind of sounds familiar. With pressure to appear patriotic at wartime and with the censored media downplaying the diseases spread, many made tragic decisions. Philadelphia's response was too little, too late. Dr. Wilmer Crewson, director of public health and charities for the city, insisted mounting fatalities were not the Spanish flu, but rather just the normal flu. So on September 18, the city went forward with a Liberty Loan Parade attended by tens of thousands of Philadelphians, spreading the disease like wildfire. Sound familiar? In just 10 days, over 1,000 Philadelphians were dead. In 10 days, with another 200,000 sick. Only then did the city close saloons and theaters. By March 1919, over 15,000 citizens of Philadelphia had lost their lives. St. Louis, Missouri was different. Schools and movie theaters closed and public gatherings were banned. Consequently, the peak mortality rate in St. Louis was just one-eighth of Philadelphia's death rate during the peak of the pandemic. Citizens in San Francisco were fined $5.00 a significant sum at the time if they were caught in public without masks and charged with disturbing the peace. The Spanish flu ends. By the summer of 1919, the flu pandemic came to an end as those that were infected either died or developed immunity. Almost 90 years later, in 2008, researchers announced they discovered what made the 1918 flu so deadly. A group of three genes enabled the virus to weaken a victim's bronchial tubes and lungs and clear the way for bacterial pneumonia. Since 1918, there have been several other influenza pandemics, although none is deadly. A flu pandemic from 1957 to 1958 killed around 2 million people worldwide, including some 70,000 people in the United States. And a pandemic from 68 to 69 killed approximately 1 million people including some 34,000 Americans. More than 12,000 Americans perished during the H1N1, uh, a.k.a. swine flu pandemic, that occurred from 2009 to 2010. The novel coronavirus pandemic of 2020 is spreading around the world as countries race to find a cure for COVID-19 and citizens shelter in place in an attempt to avoid spreading the disease, which is particularly deadly because many carriers are asymptomatic for days before realizing they are infected. Each of these modern-day pandemics brings renewed interest in and attention to the Spanish flu, guilty, or forgotten pandemic, so named because its spread was overshadowed by the deadlines of World War I and covered up by news blackouts and poor record-keeping. So, 
that's the article. It's, it's a general basic article. Hopefully, you know, hopefully it wasn't uh, too poorly read, but my, my point to reading this isn't, it is just to show, again, history repeats itself. One of the things that kind of really stuck out to me with this article was, you know, it started, let's just say it was, I think they said it was really first observed or, or acknowledged in March of 1918. And I just read that by the summer of 1919, so you figure that's a year and a half, the flu pandemic came to an end as those that were infected either died or developed immunity. Man, that is so crazy. And again, they, it, it took them, what, 20, almost a little over 20 years to develop a vaccine for it. They just didn't have the technology. They didn't have the, the, the science then that we have now. So I'm comfortable and confident with, you know, the, the those working on a vaccine right now that's saying, hey, we, we can come up with one in probably 12 to 18 months, hopefully sooner. But, you know, even then, if that's the case, it's still going to take time to produce it, to disperse it, and to, you know, if you're healthy, don't expect to be first in line to get it. You know what I'm saying? So even after the vaccine is, 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 is developed, wake up one morning, you read the headline, uh, vaccine discovered. It's not like the next day we're all going to be in Safeway or Raley's or, or Kroger's or wherever you live where there's a store nearby and we're going to start getting our vaccine right then and there. I mean, it's still going to take months, maybe even a year or two, to, to produce it, to disperse it, and to give it to those who need it the most first. So, no, it, it, it's a trip, man. You know, I kind of I have my roller coaster with this right now. Um, you know, just kind of locally let me just say locally we we it's and and sorry man it, it, it's just crazy it's just locally you know we just kind of got news for our county contra costa county that our which was expected but even when you expect something and it still happens you're still kind of like damn we got our shelter in place or whatever they're calling it now it was extended another couple of weeks so contra costa county is to remain in shelter uh, shelter in place until May 3rd and again it was expected anticipated but fuck man it just it just kind of reminds me how long we have to go you know and, and read another article kind of saying that you know they, they they and again this is kind of pointing out the obvious but as it gets worse they're anticipating for whatever reason whatever their models are reading and why that our county is going to get hit pretty hard so, you know, I, I just, I'm not going to throw the numbers out there because they are pretty depressing. <laughs> it sucks because I had, a, I had a, I got back to work yesterday. And let me, let me check in about work real quick. So on the last episode, I kind of mentioned some of the stuff I was dealing with, you know, getting calls on my week off and whatnot and, and trying to deal with, and, and trying to deal with that. So I'm thinking Monday, I'm going to walk in. It's just going to be chaos. Nothing. I mean, Stop counts were nice. Um, no one came up to me like kind of like, you know, what the fuck are we going to do or anything like that. It was just, you know, it was really like it, it threw me off because I really was expecting just hella, hella shit. So had a good day yesterday. Stop count was nice. Knocked it out uh, today. Kind of similar thing. You know, I'm touching bases with drivers trying to still inform them of stuff, but it's it's 
you know, I can't make someone listen to me. So I kind of, you know, let them know that I'm available if they have any questions or concerns that I can address or, or maybe look into for them. And it just seemed normal. So, uh, you know, I'm kind of going about my day. And then on my break, I kind of, you know, read a couple news updates in our local area. And it, it just completely, I don't want to say gutted me. That's really extreme. But it, it just kind of, it burst that bubble that I had. And that's how I feel it's like it's going to be. And the way they make it kind of seem like is, well, it is going to get worse before it gets better. You know, I, I, I hope we find a vaccine before this thing makes its way around and either kills everybody or immunes everybody, but, or everyone develops immunity over it. But you know what I'm saying? It's, it's, oh man, it's just, it's, it's hectic, man. It just the feelings and I'm not even near it. You know, actually I'll tell you something else. Um, I do believe there's a couple known cases even in our city. So, I mean, I mean, you're, you're not going to be able to avoid it, but as that grows, the, it, my anxieties are up on just, you know, on getting through this, but you know, we are going to get through this. I just hope everyone, all, all I can do is just keep informing, encouraging people, um, you know, on my route the last couple of days, it's, it's the night, the weather is nice out here and people are just out riding their bikes, walking. It's nice to see, but every time I, you know, every once in a while, you just see that cluster of friends that, you know, they're not all family or something. And it's, you know, I've heard this thing called herd immunity. I, I really don't really understand it. I think it's kind of like, Hey, let's just all hang out. And if we get it, we get it. And if we don't, uh, if we get it, we'll be immune to it after. I don't know. I, again, I'm not going to pretend to be a health expert, but I just, I don't get it. I don't get why. I mean, I, I understand that people are going nuts inside their house. It's been a lot longer for people being inside their house than I have. I mean, I, I get to go out and work every day. You know, last week was not a problem for me to stay in. I love staying in. You know, you don't know how many times my wife's taking the kids to Disneyland. It's going to sound like a really bad father part on me. But I know a lot of you dads out there will probably understand this. But she'll just take the kids I'll be like, yeah, I just want to stay. I just, I don't want to move. I had a rough week. I had a long week. I mean, not to say I've never went to Disneyland or I don't go on trips. I'm just saying they go a lot and I don't go a lot. So, um, but it looks like there's not going to be no Disneyland for a while anyway. Oh man. You know, so I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to check in again. I, I do. While I got this article out, I just really kind of wanted to point out, you know, Hey, here's a general layout of, why I think this 1918 flu, uh, Spanish flu, is similar to what we're going through right now. Uh, it's probably even similar to what we've went through with previous, you know, the previous viruses uh, earlier in the century, I guess, that I, uh, the 2000s that I that I didn't care about when they were coming out. I was young and wilding out, but I take it seriously. I got a family, got loved ones. I got people who are depending on me. Uh, so I, I, I got to do my best to, to take care of myself. I know my routine changes every day at work. Uh, and when I get home today, I actually, no one was home because my wife left to her, her mother's for a few days or something. And I had to get undressed on my porch instead of in the garage. And I just dressed down to the, you know, to the underoos, the boxers and the, 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 the white tank top and just ball my clothes up, run upstairs, throw it in the washer. And I hear a lot of drivers do that. And I feel like I'm gonna have to take it another step. You know, I hear some drivers, you know, bleach their shoes or, or clean uh, however they clean their shoes when they get home they don't go inside with them they just leave them outside you know if you're not really dealing with this kind of directly like say you're you're in a part of the country or another country that 
it really hasn't hit yet, or, or if you're fortunate enough, it's not going to hit heavy at all. Like it, it's, it's, and I can't even, it, it, it sucks. And again, it's not even heavy where I'm at right now. It's just heavy in the County. I live on the outskirts of the County, but I can't imagine what someone, what, what Seattle's going through. Shit. I heard, you know, I can't imagine what New York's going through, what New Orleans is going through or about to go through what Florida. Jesus Christ. What the fuck are those guys doing? You know, it's just, I can't imagine. And I'm, but it's coming. It's coming. All you can do is just, you know, just do your best to, do, to, I don't know, just take care of yourself and, and, and have healthy, sanitized habits. You know, when all this passes, I kind of wonder, am, am I going to be a, a permanent germaphobe now? You know, I, I was never really, I think I mentioned this in the last episode. I never was really like that. You know, I, I'm someone who washes my hands in the bathroom all the time, you know, out in public, whatever. I don't, I'm not like some gross, disgusting person. I've never really overdone it. I probably actually, one of the things I've learned now is how to properly wash your hands for 20 seconds. Jesus Christ. I watched some video on how to properly wash your hands for 20 seconds. It's, it's a game changer. I never knew that. You know, I, I, I don't feel right if I don't wash my hands like that now with that, I will end it. This went way longer than I expected, but I just had to get it off my chest because it's, it's starting to, it's, it's, Really going to start to pick up here in Oakley, in Contra Costa County, in Northern California, in California, and the rest of the country. So be safe. Take care. Hit me up. And there you have it. Another episode in the books. I hope you hung in there. Like I said, it went a little bit longer than I really anticipated. It should have been only half that time, but... Uh, as many of you have commented before, I can get uh, easily sidetracked. Uh, so anyway, uh, the next episode I'm, I'm, I'm planning on doing is on another article. I don't think I'm going to read that one. I might do more just of, uh, you know, take notes from it. But it was about how labor was affected by the Spanish flu afterwards, the impact it had kind of on the economy long term and whatnot, because 1918 was the Spanish flu and in 1929, the Great Depression hit. Not saying they're related. I don't know that. Maybe they are. Maybe they're. Maybe they're somehow connected. I doubt it. But I haven't even read the article yet. I saw it. I kind of glanced through it. I said, "Oh, I think this will this will be a good follow up to the 1918 article." So that should be my next episode. If you didn't like this episode, maybe skip the next episode too. But uh, just trying to put information out there. Uh, it's fascinating stuff to me, and you guys keep tuning in. So hopefully, it's just as fascinating to you. Uh, hit me up, Thoroughbred Teamsters Podcast on Instagram, all one word, on Twitter at NorCal Teamster, N-O-R-C-A-L-T-E-A-M-S-T-E-R, and on Facebook, Thoroughbred Teamsters Podcast. Uh, I'm always on there. I don't. I share a few times a week, just try to, you know, little parts of life and whatnot going on, and every account's a little bit different. So uh, feel free to hit me up, whichever platform you're on. Uh, let's keep it going. Check out next one. <laughs>